0: crossing route. Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. The Rams sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions.
3: Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek Ciappala with little Stevie, Steve Ribeiro. And our always welcome guest, former LA Rams defensive back, Michael Stewart. You know, I, I got to stop calling you a guest, Mike, honestly, because you're pretty much a regular now. You're pretty much just part of the team. I, folks, I've been convinced just working on getting him to join the staff because I really enjoy having him on. Anyways, uh, he's got a you know, nice little smile there. The LA Rams pull off the 29 27 victory over the Green Bay Packers late. We, yeah, Oh, my gosh. I don't know if you guys have any emotions left. Michael, I'll start with you. How are you doing? And I just lost sound.
1: I can't hear Mike. We can't hear you, bud. Oh, there we go. I
3: muted my is. mic. <laughs> he muted.
4: Hey, I muted <laughs> mine
1: for the intro too, so I, I understand.
3: <laughs> and we're doing I this live, I'm
4: excited, folks. Hyped and just uh, man, it's it's a lot to talk about. I can't wait to get into it. And folks, by the way, this is a, a
3: post game pod, so it's live. So whatever mess ups we get. There's no outtakes tonight, so oh well. You go. Don't, don't mind the dead me. air. It's don't okay. mind the dead air, dogs. It's it's fine.
1: It's fine. It really, it's fine. Uh, Steve, how you doing, man? We finally crossed the Jeff Fisher line. It only took us eight weeks to do it. <laughs> I mean, how how can we not be happy? That was a roller coaster of a game. You know, I went from thinking that we were bound to lose the game to we're never losing again. So I I'm pretty happy right now.
3: I, I don't understand the whole never losing again thing. I think it's this, we've entered the gauntlet now, like, as I keep saying. Uh, before we've we earned get... the right to uh, be optimistic here, man, come on. Hey, well, no, no. Well, hey, I'm not. This is not about being optimistic. This is NFL is a tough league, man. I and mean, The NFC is tough. I just, it's just tough. And we saw that today. I think we we really saw it. We, get, we took the Packers best, and the, the Rams barely got out. But they, hey, they did. Before we get started, here. Before we started here. We want to just remind you that we're pretty much everywhere podcasts can be found now: Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. We're everywhere. Please go check us out. Subscribe. Uh, Don't forget we're on iBeatRadio.com. They air our shows on Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And about iTunes, folks, (laughs) we're so close. Right now we are at 95 five-star reviews. We're only five away from hitting that, that, that goal of 100. So if you could... Head over there, please. A five-star review. Once we get there, we're going to give away a seventy-five-dollar gift to NFLShop.com. And please, just say please. Uh, So I'm going to start with you, Michael. Uh, You being the the former player here on this show, who you've seen so many different things. What are your first thoughts on this victory, on this game?
4: Well, my first thoughts are always a win is a win you know it's one more in the bank as we would call it uh but personally I'm I'm a little nervous in what I'm seeing overall it seems like we're becoming a team that we just want to gunsling it way down the field so I'm a little hesitant because yeah when it's going right yeah you can you know get some quick points and and a lot of yards and, and excitement and all those good things. But in a tough game like this, you got to be able to pound the rock a little
1: bit. Steve? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, this is, I believe, three games in four weeks that the Rams really had to kind of claw out of victory here from the jaws of defeat, as they say. And I mean, well, we did it. This is this is a tough team we're going against. We're playing against who I think is the best player in the NFL and Aaron Rodgers I mean I think he's been for a while and to you know he didn't get his chance to get his little comeback at the end thanks to a nice play by Rameek Wilson but we the Rams keep winning these games and you know as my experience as a past Rams fan through the 2000s we usually didn't win these games and for us to kind of grab three nice very close victories over a four-week stretch it, it's hard not to feel good about it I, you know I agree with Mike's concerns that we should be feeding Gorilla a little more. I mean, like in a game where he rushes the ball twenty-five times and it still doesn't feel like it was enough at times. It's you know it's it says a lot, and I think you know I'm I'm happy with the performance. They came out looked terrible, uh, kind of on both sides of the ball in that first quarter, and to rebound like that to overcome the adversity in a game, man, it's hard. It's hard to be upset about it.
3: You know, for me, it's just more on the lines of where is this team going? down the stretch, what is the real identity here? And what we what we've seen from them is they can they can run the ball whenever they want, but they can pass. It's, you know the I I'm concerned about the offensive line. The right side of the line especially day was concerning me. Up the middle got burned a few times. I'm concerned you made a great point just now that hey, twenty five carries and doesn't feel like it. Against a grief a green bay defense that can be moved on especially when they're playing nickel and dime for the, uh, much of the first half. I, why not just feed the rock over and over again? Why not get Malcolm Brown some carries in there as well? I, I just kind of view it that way and wonder what's really going through Sean McVay's head. I, re, I, I want, to me, he's kind of like a, he, it's very clear he's he knows what he's doing, he's very creative, and I'm just some Long time fan and who's coached a little bit and knows a little bit about the game. I guess I'm conflicted in how I feel about it. I guess at the end of it, Mike.
1: Mike, you muted again. Hello? Can't he hear you. Yeah. yeah, he's here. Still can't hear you, Mike.
3: Okay, so while while we're figuring out what's going on with this mic here today, I'm back.
4: There he, there goes. he is. <laughs> Man, this is crazy. <laughs> I was gonna. I was saying uh, we got to remember Sean Bay. He's still a young guy, mm-hmm. and if you think about it, he grew up watching Joe Montana just. Come back against our Rams, right? Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, best game as you just said, Steve. You got Aaron Rodgers on the other side of the field. So is he sticking to his game plan, or is he falling into? Oh man, I got to make sure Aaron Rodgers doesn't get the ball, as opposed to let's work this Green Bay defense and and do what I do best. So as a young coach, you know he's grew up, grown up watching. You know, maybe a number of these guys, especially in his younger years as a coach, and now he's actually coaching against him. I'm sure, though he's very good at what he does, I'm sure at times emotionally, because if you saw him at the end of the game, I mean, he was high-fiving like he just won the Super Bowl. So uh, I think part of it is, you know, youth and excitement. uh, But at the same time, you just got to kind of get a feel for the game and not got Get caught up, maybe in who you're actually playing. In this case, being Aaron Rodgers.
3: Okay, so before we really get into it even more, Steve, you got the stats today. Uh, break it down for us.
1: I got them. Yeah, Rams had a nine-minute advantage on time of possession: thirty-four ten to twenty-five fifty. Total yards for the Rams: four sixteen. For the Packers: three fifty-nine. So, I mean, not the best day defensively, but going up against an offense like this. You could do worst. 106 yards on the ground for the pack, and 253 through the air for the Rams. 281 through the air and 135 on the ground. Uh, no interceptions thrown in this game. I the only turnover of the game was the Ty Montgomery fumble at the end of the game. So you know, at times I'd say both teams struggled, but not not too sloppy overall. Both good job by both offenses protecting the ball. Uh, In the individual side, Jared Goff, 19 for 35 with 295 yards and three touchdowns. Was sacked five times, though. We mentioned the concerns with the offensive line. Johnny Hecker, one for one, 12 yards. Had to throw that out there. (laughs) Todd Gurley, 25 carries for 114 yards and six receptions for 81 yards and a touchdown. So just a hair under 200 yards there, if my total, if my on-the-fly math is right. I was a communications major in college. I did not study math other receivers Brandon Cooks three receptions 74 yards Robert Woods five receptions for 70 yards and Josh Reynolds three receptions for 42 yards and two touchdowns so the Josh Reynolds emotional roller coaster continues with a hell of a game from him Packers side Aaron Rodgers 18 for 30 286 yards and one touchdown sacked three times by the Rams Aaron Jones 12 rushes for 86 yards and a touchdown as my fantasy friends would like to note four carries for jamal williams two carries for Ty montgomery so aaron jones season might actually be upon us and probably the most alarming stat for us in the packers box score here is devonta adams five receptions for 133 yards and was being guarded in most of the game by marcus peters and sacks for the rams Corey littleton grabbed one aaron donald grabbed two and ramik wilson forced that fumble on the Kicked off near the end of the game to seal the deal. All
3: right, so a hey, I just want to point out to you that the only person who's in that drama landing with with Josh Reynolds is really you. That's it, right? Nobody hey, else. Hey, Johnny, really too.
1: The butting heads listeners
3: know. <laughs> I'm just saying that was a, by the way that that
1: second Reynolds touchdown was was nice. Yeah, the way he, he got had a good game, into- man. This is what we were asking for. You know, he had to step up. Sometimes when he has to step up, we don't see much. But man, he proved himself today. I'm I'm happy to have him around. Hey, Michael, uh, anything stand out
3: to you about how this game went overall, especially in those stats?
4: Uh, No, I mean, it was a quiet hundred and plus for Gurley. Uh, You could tell he was was running well at times. But, man, I I didn't know he was that much over a hundred. But, man, that's kind of outstanding that it's a sneaky hundred plus Uh, in his reception. You know, he showed me this this guy can really catch the ball. I mean, he's catching the ball with the ball away from him, you know, with his hands. You know, he's not catching it with his body. He's catching it like a real receiver. So I think that's going to really pay dividends uh, down the road. I just would like to see, you know, us go to a little bit more of the underneath getaway type routes. Uh, Because if, you know, a team is just going to just throw it deep, well, you just kind of play center field and wait for him to throw it to you, and, you know, you can start getting picks. And I think that contributed to a number of the uh, sacks today.
1: Steve, what's it out to you? I think, you know, as I mentioned, the, it's not really a specific box score out for the Rams, but Devontae Adams kind of cooked Marcus Peters here. I mean, we – I thought last week, you know, we saw a really promising day from him. We just completely taken Marcus Goodwin out of the game. A little step in the wrong direction, but, I mean, it's one of the better receivers in the league with one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, I think he will bounce back ultimately, but not what we'd like to see. Troy Hill, too, got burned on that last Packers touchdown as well. But, you know, we'll we'll see how it continues. Obviously, this is one of the better passing offenses. And to, Todd Gurley, yeah, of course, it's hard for that not to stand out, you know. I felt like he made some big plays in the receiving game, but remember when this guy couldn't run for 100 yards in an entire season, and now he's just— plotting his way to 100 yards almost every single game it's just awesome to see a guy like that and you know he could have easily had two touchdowns here he's a guy who has admitted gone on the record saying he's chasing lt's touchdown record and what does he do at the end of the game when he has a clear path of the touchdown he makes it the team play he stops short hits hits the ground gives up the touchdown that's one short of the record that could end up costing him in the long run but that sealed the deal for the Rams and prevented any chance of a Packers comeback. So that was just great to see from him, man. He He's earning that captain on, captain patch on his jersey.
3: Okay, so before we move forward, we do want to give a shout-out to one of our sponsors, Jim Hawk. His his book, Hollywood's Team Grit Glamour in the 1950s L.A. Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out this son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour of future Hall of Famers. You can read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Krays Hirsch, Tom Fierce, and Les Richter in this story spanning the nineteen fifties LA Rams. You can find books you can find Hawk's book online at Hollywoodsteam.com. and on Twitter at Hollywood His book is available both in Hardback and electronic form at both Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Folks, it's a good way it's a really, really good read. If you love history, if you love the Rams, if you want to read more about this era, check it out. Seen grit, and Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's well worth your time. Okay, so a couple of these questions here really zone in on Mike. Because I really, as a defensive guy, a person who's been there and done that, I think you're going to have unique insight here. So the first question I really want to kind of take to you first is, what did the Packers do to cause the Rams so many problems defensively and offensively, really, in the
4: first quarter? Well, uh, I think a lot when when Aaron was able to get the ball, you know, kind of all over, Aaron spreads it around. If you think about when you're playing an offense, typically, there's maybe one guy that you have to to really look out for. Uh, they got a couple of their their receivers back which now makes it instead of one guy you're trying to defend on offense, you may now have to defend two or three, which now puts a lot more one-on-one coverages when you're doing like a a Wade Phillips defense, getting after the quarterback. You know, you're going to be in a lot of man coverage. So that opens up more opportunity, you know. So getting Kyle back, I think, was a big lift for them. Obviously, you know, Devontae is doing an outstanding job. I mean, he's he's becoming quickly – one of the better receivers out in the game. And, I mean, we saw some of the catches he made last week, To So that dude can play. So ultimately, I think it's just kind of a cat and mouse. And certain teams or slash certain coaches just fare better when they're coaching against another offense or defensive staff, depending on who the coaches are, because coaches have tendencies as well. So I just think overall, Green Bay – you know, with Aaron getting back more healthy, getting his receivers back, able to spread the ball around. Uh, I ultimately believe Marcus Peters probably is only 70 percent, even though he's out there playing. So, you know, he's not going to make any excuses. You can't give any excuse. But I, I just say watching him play, he's not near 100 percent.
1: What did you see, Steve? I think the one thing that stood out in terms of the what the Packers did to kind of mess with the Rams was absolutely just the blitzing and just the pressure they were able to get through on this Rams offensive line. We, For the most part, the Rams offensive line has been one of, if not the best unit in football. And for, for the majority of this game, Jared Goff was not getting a lot of time to get these throws. He was getting hit a lot, sacked five times, and I think – Credit credit to Mike Bettine and um, the Packers defense. You know, they, you mentioned Derek on Twitter that they they may have watched that Denver film and really picked out what kind of pressures work because that was another team that got to us and they they really just gave Goff hell all day and for him to finish the game with no turnovers and really just solid overall numbers is it's pretty impressive considering how the fits they were giving him on defense. I mean that uh, Mike Bettine called a hell of a game on that side of the ball.
3: Michael, they had, uh, in the first half, especially the Packers, played a lot of nickel and dime against the Rams. Still got pressure on them. What did you see in those coverages that really messed things up for the Rams?
4: Well, a lot of the coverages, they were playing, uh, we call it combo coverage. So you got a guy inside and a guy outside of of a particular receiver. But they were switching the combo coverages to different receivers at different times. So, at times, I think Golf thought he might end up having one-on-one coverage, and then that guy was actually being double-teamed. So, now he's trying to come off him uh, and then trying to go to a second read or third read, and now the rush is getting home. Because, again, typically, uh, secondary, we're, t- we're kind of like, you know, a thousand one, thousand two, that ball should be coming out ta- ta- 1,003 for sure. But golf was back there sometimes, you know, three to a thousand four still trying to, you know, look for a guy. They were covered up. And again, that's where I think the sacks were coming. So typically when you're playing against a team that's running a lot of nickel and dime, you're going to take a guy like Gurley and run it. And you saw the second half uh, when he hit a couple of those big runs. That that was why. But I, I was surprised they didn't try to do that a lot more in the first half. So yeah, I, I agree with Steve, uh, the D coordinator for uh, Green Bay, called a real good game. Steve, you
3: you have some roots up in Wisconsin, having gone to Marquette, and I know you had talked with uh, a friend over on a uh, on your show this week. What kind of insight did you guys did you get from this about this game that maybe kind of what you saw on the field today?
1: Yeah, well, obviously, you know the the utmost faith in Aaron Rodgers, and I think one thing that we kind of harped on was that Aaron Jones is clearly their, their best running back and somebody that, you know, probably needs to get the ball more. And while, you know, he didn't destroy the Rams by any means, he, he did some damage. He had some really nice runs in there. He was able to get, get after it. And, um, you know, he, we were both a little concerned that the Packers defense would get shredded, you know, but the, the numbers have backed this green Bay defense. And I think, you know, we kind of talked about that as well. And, I I I don't I don't think anyone saw just that first quarter most of the first half until the end of just like utter dominance from the Packers defense against, you know, probably the most the, probably the second or third best sorry, first, second or third best offense in the league depending on Depends how on much me. you like the Chiefs and the Saints in the league. Um but yeah man, I mean I did any of you guys see the Packers defense stepping up to the plate like this, you know? I think Uh, Beermeister, who was on my show, and I both pretty much agreed that this would just be a complete shootout, and the score kind of says that it was a shootout, but it it did not have that feel in the first half at all. Mike, how did you see this going?
4: Yeah, not at all. Uh, I thought, uh, you know, one of like little brothers, Clay Matthews, uh, was going to have a big day just being back home, you know, in the coliseum you know, SC, that whole thing. Uh, I, I thought he would have a good day just emotionally, you know, would be there. Uh, but yeah, not overall, but you know, what happens is you're playing a game and now once you start getting that confidence, and I think after that big win, uh, the green Bay has, I had a few weeks ago before their buy, I think they got a lot of confidence now going down the stretch. And so certain teams just, again, they're just a better matchup in, I think Green Bay, you know, on one hand, looks at the Rams and go, man, we should just kind of just smash these guys. You know, they can't really play with us. So regardless of how the season is going now, you still have your history of how we played against a team. We got a chance any time we step out on the field, we got Aaron Rodgers. Uh, But it all goes into that game. You start getting momentum. You start getting a sack here, a hurry there, a three and out, because what was it, Steve? Heckard punted five times in the first half or something like that?
1: Yeah, the I believe it was the Rams' like first five drives were just all punts. And I have that right here, actually. Punt, 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 punt. Safety touchdown. So, I mean... <laughs> Right, yeah. right up until the end of the first half, it was hard to feel confident at all.
3: Well, here's here's my thought, too, is is and when you look at the Packers roster and you look at the improvements they made during the offseason, during the draft, they went, they went after the secondary. They employed that rebuilt secondary against the Rams very well today, and I, I, I got to admit, they're not a team I want to see come playoff time. They do match up well at the Rams. And we found out how well they match up today. Especially, and I was concerned about this on our show, on our preview show. And I, I, I don't want to talk too much about it, guys, but I called this game to be 31-28. Nice. I just wanna say, just want to say, I was a little bit off. Not too bad. And I was also expressing concern about the Packers' pass rush. And the guy we had on, John Meerding from... Um, the power sweep over there, he said, well, they haven't had much of a, a pass rush all year, but looking at who they have and looking at the, the problems the Rams have had defending on the edge there, that concerned me. And we saw some of that today. And I think that's going to be something that I'm going to worry about as the year moves forward. They get another interesting pass rush next week against the Saints. That can, and, and that's going to be in New Orleans. That's concerning for me. And so, I think that um, the Rams have a, still. I mean, for an undefeated team, it's hard to go undefeated. Only one all the way through Super Bowl, and that's Miami in '72. So I just look at it and go, "It's a long way to go. A lot to get. A lot of things that need to be done to get better." And I guess in that respect, Stephen, with you, I'm pretty happy that they went up with this win because it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. Hey, Mike. Yeah. I have a question for you, too, as well, because I don't know how, what you were thinking. You, you mentioned play calling here early on in the in the show. Sean McVay did take a lot of criticism for his play calling during the game. Um, you mentioned it. I, I know as a, as, a, as a Ram yourself, you don't want to get too deep into anything criticizing or anything, but how are you feeling about the way the Rams call plays And maybe, just maybe, is the absence of Cooper Cuff affecting things a little bit or not?
4: Well, if you think about it, Cooper Cuff runs a lot of the intermediate, and I, again, call it getaway routes, the little short intermediate, the in and out routes. And so either they just kind of leave those routes maybe to him to run as a specialty, but those seem like more of the routes that they should have been running. If you look, they were running what we call a lot of deep overs, you know, 15-yard deep crossers, 25-yard deep crossers, 15-yards post and corner routes. You know, those routes take time, though we have, you know, a lot of speed, you know, with Woods and, and the other guy, getting forgetting his name right now. Uh, but again, those routes take a little bit more time. You saw when Gurley, they ran all the receivers across the field one way, He just came underneath on an under route and scored like, what, 25-yard touchdown on a catch and run. You know, so that's where I would like to see them get Gurley a little more involved just out the backfield. Early in the first quarter, I think it was, he was looking to throw deep downfield. Gurley was wide open in the flat. If he would have just dropped it to him, he still might be running. So that's what I think you said earlier, Derek, you know, just trying to figure out, OK, what is what is our identity? Are we just trying to be long ball? Are we going to be a combination of long ball when it's there? Just drop it off. Let's get five yards of cloud of dust, move to change type type of mentality. Uh, you know, it's just kind of right now. What are we doing? Uh, I would just like to add, too. I was looking kind of at the injury reports. You're talking about the old line. The thing about the injury reports in the league, you don't really know who's hurt. You look at our injury report; we had a few guys did not practice, type of thing. You looked at the Packers; they had like twelve guys or something on there. A lot of that stuff is cat and mouse. So you go into a week thinking, "Oh, well, this guy is banged up; he's not going to play." Then he's out there, or you go into a week and you go, "Oh, well, that guy is good to go," but then he's really banged up. So. I think maybe, you know, is our O-line more banged up than we know because they're not on the injury report? You know, I don't know. But like you said, it's a long season. I just don't want to see us go 14-2, and 15-1, and, and then just go home in the first round. That's all I don't want to see.
3: Now, the, I... Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I just want to add just before we move on from McVay's play calling – I saw a lot of people criticizing him because on that last drive, right before the fumble, they people didn't like that. He called that conservatively. And I just, I want to defend his play calling here. All right. So we, we drop back to pass. Goff scrambles up the middle. Nice play, but we gets Paul back for a penalty. So it's second and 20 and we're losing the game. You know, I, I would rather him just run the ball twice and make sure we get those three points and take some time away from Aaron Rodgers. Now, I get the idea of wanting to punch one in the end zone because, you know, nobody likes giving Aaron Rodgers the ball back with that much time. It's always bad news, but there's no reason to risk a turnover when you're losing. You know, we, if it wasn't tied, we weren't winning. We literally would have lost the game if he threw a pick. Right.
3: Well, Michael, you've been in those situations. How do you, what's your take on that?
4: Yeah, absolutely. You just don't want a turnover because that creates momentum. You lose points. You don't get anything going. Now the other team's got momentum. And like he said, it wasn't like we were winning by 15 points. I mean, we're losing. So at a minimum, you don't want to be second and 20 trying to get something back and absolutely get a turnover because it looks like you're trying to be greedy. Now, I believe in playing the game out, you know, Just run some normal plays, you know, don't do the old, hey, we just run over here and sit down because, you know, I've been in too many games where we did that and the field goal gets blocked or we miss it and it's like, see, we should have just ran it normal, you know, did some normal plays. But absolutely, I, I think McVay down the stretch called a great game. You know, I'm just a little concerned and I don't know if he's calling it. And Jared is now looking just for the long ball. You know, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's like he may be telling Jared if the long ball is there, let's take it. But if not, man, just hit this check down, we'll live to play another down. But uh I think Mave calls a good game and, and down the stretch, I I think he did a real good job of making sure and I think that's why he was so excited at the end when we were able to uh you know, and Gurley just kinda shut it down before going into the end zone.
3: Well the only concern I have with that last drive isn't that they ran the ball although on second it was second 19 then third and 16 that it doesn't bother me that they did that it bothers me at how they ran the play just straight basic dive plays nothing trying to even get that extra yardage that's what concerned me because i do i wasn't i wasn't looking for the touchdown i was looking just if you're in the field goal, at least get them under a minute. Get it past the two minute warning. Get it deeper to where you're really putting Aaron Rodgers against the against the wall. That's what I wanted, and that's what disappointed me. It was like of all the times you go conservative, you've never gone conservative, all of a sudden now's the time you go conservative, and when you go conservative in this case, you it was basically two straight runs. Just straight, straight runs. Nothing testing the edge a bit, nothing it was just to me, that was kind of like you're saying, you know, we're going to trust him from 43 yards out to hit the field goal, a guy who just came back from injury, who's very good, by the way, Greg's airline. It's just I, I'm wishing he, they would have been a little more diverse in trying to get that first down, that's all. I'm not really going to criticize too much because they got the points
1: and they got the turnover, but I think I, I wish he would have been a little more aggressive, that's all. It's just tough when you're losing the game, you know what I mean? Because you have to make sure those three points get on the board at that point. You know what I mean? Like, if you run a sweep or something, the ball, the pitch could go wrong. I don't know. I, like, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but the odds of us getting 20 yards without calling, like, a relatively risky play with that score, I, I just, for me, I don't think it's worth it at that point in the game. I, I didn't mind what he did. Um, and if Rodgers, if they didn't fumble and Rodgers got down, got the ball and scored right away, we might be having a different conversation. But I think, you know, you have to make sure you get those three on the board because you don't have the lead or it's not even tied.
4: One more thing. About Steve, the play call. real quick. Sure, Steve, go. real quick. Where yeah. where was that ball when it was like second and 20? You were there. Where was it at the time?
1: The Green Bay 23.
4: Wow. Is it the Green Bay 23? Yeah, so you got to figure at that point in that area of the field as a defense, especially a secondary, we love that that yardage because the field is shrunk. You don't have to worry about anything over the top, you know, unless it's going to be a fade in the back corner, but you should be able to see that coming all day. So now you're going to more likely than not throw something in the middle of the field to try to, you know, maybe pick a guy crossing or something like that. But with the field being shrunk down, you're inside of 25 yards, the area shrunk. So I would imagine that's what Coach McVay and their offense is thinking, you know, yeah, we don't want to try to get too greedy because you got to be the flip side. You got to be willing with, you know, more risk, more reward. So do we go for six and risk, Something bad happened, like Steve is saying. Toss and the ball pops out or, you know, I don't know. A lot of stuff happens when, you know, you just get I, – I think they wanted to – like we wanted to get the win in a tough game because this, again, is been building character. So, you know, when you get in a hunt down the road, you know you've been there already.
3: Well, here's a question to kind of go are, – are we even having this conversation – if we weren't already questioning some of the other play calling going on throughout the game. Like you mentioned, hit the, the propensity to go deep. Uh, one of the things that frustrated me was against that pass rush, the Rams really didn't utilize the the middle of the field underneath or even the screen game. The, the screen game has been a big part of the Rams' offense all year. I don't think they threw a screen yeah. today. So if I don't even think I'm, I'm talking about that if – I wasn't already a little frustrated with some of the play calling I've seen today. And also wondering, maybe I'm just, I'm just a fan. I don't know what I'm talking about. you know, That's what's going through my head.
1: Does that, so, does yeah, that make I, sense? I don't think you're wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I think as a whole, and I think we all kind of agree, the play calling wasn't ideal. You know, there was a lot of uh, questionable decisions. I, I mean, any time you punt with this offense, five drives in a row, and especially the one where we basically got – a get out of jail free card with that johnny hecker fake pun and got another chance and then just three plays That's in a row and it didn't succeed you know two three hours in one drive is not something we saw often in the sean McVay era so yeah i i think you derek that is a good point you know if he called a perfect game we people probably would have trusted him with that decision but um i mean everything else i think there's some question marks but i think you know sometimes you have to go conservative i don't think this is a Falcons in the Super Bowl type situation, Um, you know, they they had to get those three points. But, yeah, overall, uh, not McVay's best game, I don't think.
4: Well, I think, Derek, kind of what you're, you're alluding to as well is, even though it's still somewhat earlier in the year, Green Bay's coming from cooler and colder climate. So we saw them with fans on the sideline, the air, water fans, and different things trying to be in the shade. Well, it's not that hot out here for us in California, but if you're coming from other parts of the world, like where you guys are, where it's already getting cooler, I would have liked to see them just wear them down a little bit. But when you're allowing a team to go three and out, I mean, how hard is it to play when you're only on the field for, you know, maybe a minute you go over there and sit down, let Aaron Rodgers get the ball. So that's why I think the run game, wear them down a little bit more Now you just open things up, and now you have them playing into your hand as opposed to now this team's got momentum.
3: Okay. Um, One more thing um, that kind of goes with some of the things we talked about, play calling, also coverages. We mentioned the Packers' coverages. and, And throughout the game, one of the things we saw on social media was criticism towards the officials. I'm not sure if you saw this, Mike. Um, but on, on, I'm, I'm handling Rams talk social media tonight. I saw all over the place for not calling holds, defensive holds, yeah. or defensive pass interference, and not just against the, the Packers, by the way. Some against the Rams too that got they didn't get called, but there were more, more. I think Jared Alexander probably had three or four alone himself, and it was kind of funny because late in the game, they're they're showing a, they're on TV and they're showing where Jared Alexander's covering Brandon cooks and he's grabbing cooks as he's running the route and they're, and they're praising J.R. Alexander as he's grabbing cooks. So I, I the officiate in this game, how did you guys feel about that as well? Watching some, a lot of the no calls and basically letting the defense secondary do kind of what I wanted to do. This is really kind of big for you, Mike, because you've been there and done that. Um, You've been at, this for the sake of the officials, you've been under those situations before.
4: Well, I'm laughing because uh, me and my my son, we're having this going back and forth. And he's like, oh, and I go, man, that Alexander kid is balling for the Packers. He goes, dad, man, he's holding. He's holding every play. And I go, well, it's not holding because they're not calling it. So, you know, you're going to do what you can if you can get away with it. Well, I got away with it. It's not holding until they actually call it. And those are little tricks that even, you know, as a second, you got a guy that's really faster than you, or they're making plays and he breaks real quick. Well, sometimes you're taught if you grab him really quick, the officials don't because remember, we're watching slow motion replay. These things are happening quick in real time. You you may not see that so much with the naked eye as a a quick grab. We see it in slow motion. They slow it down. Yeah, you can obviously, oh, man, that guy's holding. But in real time, if you just do bang, bang, a lot of times you can get away with it, as seemed like Alexander and, and our secondary guys were as well. So like we said, if the flag isn't on the ground, it's not holding.
3: <laughs> well, you mentioned the replay, and I, I got to ask this question too because there was actually – it, it's not the Packers' last touchdown, but the touchdown before that, that big deep play, and it was clear as day on the left-hand side of the Packer line. They were holding his all get-out. He had he basically had the Rams defender, I'm not sure who it was, and a full Nelson, his arms were up like this. I mean, that was blatant. They didn't call that. But late in the game, Saffold gets, hold, gets, gets called for holding at a crucial time. And so when fans are... Watch this going, hey, now they decide to call holding. They won't call up the entire game. There's a blatant holding there on a touchdown pass, and now you want to call holding? I mean, from from that perspective, the player perspective, can you see fans' frustration or anything like that?
4: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the the thing is, it's like anything. You just want consistency. Mm -hmm. If it's holding, just call it, and we know it's holding. But once you're calling, one time it's a hold, another time it's not, then that becomes frustrating. One of the biggest holds that I saw was on the safety. Mark Barron comes in on a blitz, and he gets tackled by the lineman. But what they'll tell you is, oh, it's in the trenches, so really holding, they hold really every time. No, he's tackling the defender. That surely should have drew a flag, but it's almost like, oh, it's a safety, so we're not going to call it. As opposed to calling it being consistent with the call, safety or not, make the call because you're being consistent calling it. So yeah, everyone just needs and wants consistency, and that's probably the hardest thing because again, you're still dealing with those are human beings, the officials. I see it one way. Well, I didn't think it was. It was just like on that catch early in the game, uh, not Woods, but the other receiver. He clearly had his hands under the the hooked. ball, hooked. But the one official, she was just patting it to the ground like she just saw it for sure that it hit the ground. And then you go, what were you seeing? You're standing right there looking at it. How did you not see his hands under the ball as opposed to you automatically? Yeah. So, again, it's just human eye, human error. But yeah, we just all would love consistency. Same with the sacks. One time it's a sack, another time it's a flagrant, you know, foul and all that kind of stuff. It's it's tough.
3: Okay, just a couple more questions, guys, before we go. But I do want to give a shout out to our sponsor at the Gold Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in Orange County and like the old school barbershop experience, check out the Gold Ram Barbershop at one three seven five five Golden West Street in Westminster, California. 92683. Sal Martinez opened up this shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day the team left for St. Louis, and he's kept the light on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714 894 Rams or 7267. Use the promo code Talk so he knows we sent you and get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Gold Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., and Saturday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714 894 Seven two six seven. The trip there is worth it. Trust me. He actually made me look good. I gotta get Mike to go there. Sal would be thrilled if you walked into a store. I'm serious. He'd probably give you a free cut. Uh oh. He probably would. You know that, right? He'd probably give you a free cut. You. We gotta get you to go. I'm serious. He would like. He would be thrilled if you walked into a shop. Right. Just just saying. Okay. So, <laughs> a couple more questions here. Um. <sighs> Thirty-three, thirty-one 31 Rams over Seahawks. 23-20, Rams over um, over Broncos. Uh, this, the 49ers last week dug their own grave. We know that. Okay, this week the Rams have another close one, 29-27. What do you guys make of the way the Rams pulled this game out late? And how long can they keep this going? Steve, I'm going to start with you.
1: I, I love it, man. I mean, the Seahawks game and the Broncos game, I think we are clearly, like, Far superior teams than both of those teams. The Packers, they you know, they have a se- Not that Russell Wilson is not like a seasoned vet, but I mean Rodgers is it's just on another level. You know, Russell Wilson's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it. And I think this game, in particular after you play all those tough games, you no know, week eight, they're going for their eighth straight win. Just to be able to pull this one out, especially considering. You know how bad they were to start the game. I think the Seattle game we were a little bit more consistent. Denver, we didn't come out swinging, but um, you know we. I think we're just a lot a much better team on a lot of levels than Denver. And this game, man this this was I think the hardest fought win. Ultimately, you know I said it on my show last week. I do think they drop a game at some point during this four game stretch here. Likely, most likely being either the Saints or the Chiefs game. I mean, or both. If they lose both, I'm not going to be concerned um yeah those are two really good teams and we're eight and oh so it's not the end of the world if we drop a game but i mean it's any game they're in you know it's it's used to be a team where anytime it was a close game you just assume they're losing and now you just assume they win man it's it's a big 360 180 not a 360 from what we used to be (laughs) (laughs) that we used to do 360 turns about every year but um yeah man i mean this was a hard game they overcame a lot through the course of the game. Just the complete shift from how they looked from the first quarter to the third quarter is for a team to be able to flip that switch like this. That, that's how you know that you know you're looking at something special here,
4: Mike. Yeah, so I think the the, the Rams and these wins, uh, no matter how tough they are, they're finding you know a way to build character and again, hopefully that every situation is allowing them to evaluate you know what they're good at, what they can get better at you know, how they could uh, be more formidable for the next opponent uh, down the road. Uh, but ultimately, you know, it's allowing them to, to overcome a lot of things. You know, we got some guys banged up here and there, uh, but guys are stepping up and, you know, especially offensively, uh, it's not allowing, you know, D coordinators and defensive staff to be able to, you know, single handedly stop one guy because you have so many other threats that are available. You know, same mm-hmm. as defensively, you know, we're just seeing different guys each week make a play here, make a play there. And so those type of things get contagious. And so down the stretch, no matter what type of game you're in, somebody is usually saying, well, man, let's make a play. And you're saying to yourself, well, man, I'm going to make a play. And so hopefully these things are allowing them to get it ingrained just in there every day or every time they step on the field. You know, I'm going to be that guy that makes a play. So I'm excited to see them uh, and different guys. You know, we talked about uh, Sam Shields, you know, make it a play. You know, he, he had a start, came back, you know, uh, from the concussion thing, but made a great play on, on a play uh, setting up what ultimately was the safety. You know, we had a big play by the linebacker at the end of the game. Causes a fumble. You have Mark Barron, who's back kind of from injury, step up. Again, he made the safety. So, you know, different guys are stepping up all over. And uh, even though we technically haven't heard Dominican sue a lot, he's taken up a lot of space. And we're seeing Aaron Donald, you know, get a lot of dividends from that. So excited. All right.
3: Well, for me, I I think I'm concerned, guys, about the – The close games the way these things are going down I think it's character building I think anytime you get enough games like this you get you get confident you're gonna win these games so on the flip side of it I think that's a great thing I, I can say that I'm also you know I'm also pretty excited as well that they beat the Packers for the first time in 10 years I don't think people realize that they have not beaten the Packers in a decade do you guys know that yeah. No, know,
4: I, I knew they hadn't won in a while. That's why they're like Aaron Rodgers like, man, no problem. Let me get this <laughs> ball back.
1: Same with Green Bay too, man. And hopefully uh, we end the Bears streak too as well because I think it's been a while since we've beaten them too.
3: It's been a while, yeah. Um, well, the Bears are a little better. It's a little better for the Bears, but uh, I think was it um, 2012 or 2013? I'm not sure. It was around there, but it's been a Definitely decade for the Packers.
5: I
1: know that.
3: It's been a decade for the Packers, so there's there's. It felt nice to get that win. I just I I want to see this team. I I want to see them put together a complete four quarters on offense and defense soon. Though I
1: think it's what I want to see. I want to see what they're really capable of. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I know- think so. You know, um, offensively, I think we've kind of I think we've seen enough to be confident. I think um, the coaching is slightly concerning, but also I mean the show McVay system in itself is, you know, incredible. And some of the play calling, um, we obviously haven't been a huge fan on. We, we've, we've gone into enough detail on that, but yeah, defensively, it would be nice to see kind of, you know, a lockdown game against a good team. I mean, I think the, probably the closest example of that would be the, you know, we kind of did a nice job against the chargers overall and now you know had held on to that game pre- pretty, pretty handily, I would say. And, um, but, yeah, you know, good quarterbacks have had their way with us for the most part. Uh, Kirk Cousins obviously torched us. Aaron Rodgers is able to do his thing. So it would be nice to see, you know, maybe against the Saints or the Chiefs here coming up, maybe we have a, a bit of a statement game, which is weird to say about a team that's 8-0. and But it, it would be nice. But, I mean, we the way we've been able to pull out these games, I, I'm not super concerned. Do you realize how privileged we are guys that we're actually talking about statement
3: games for a team that's I eight.
4: Mean, no.
3: And it used to be like, Hey, it's one in 15. They're horrible. Uh, let's just try to go jump off a clip. But now we're looking now the expectations are changing. We, we want more, We want, not in terms of more wins, but we want more wins. But I was talking about, I want to see these guys play their potential. And we know now their potential is, well, the sky's the limit. This team is good and it's talented and it's loaded. And there's certain things they should be doing better. And even the, we're, we're picking the play calling. The guys listen to an ain't no record, but yet we're, we're calling the play calling out because we know we can do better. This isn't really about being negative. It's the fact that in the course of a year and a half, the expectations have turned. Sean McVay and his staff, they've turned the expectations around. They're, this roster of players have turned around our, our expectations, and we expect more. I don't think that's a negative at
4: all on my I mean, Mike? Well, I, I think that what we have to be you know, somewhat cautious of and and just think about, last year, did we know Sean McVay was going to be able to come in and the staff and Wade to really do what they did? Nobody expected that. And so having done that, the teams this year are like, okay, we're going to be prepared for these guys. So I think... To be 8-0 and old, now knowing that people have tape on your quarterback, tape on Gurley, tape, you know, on Sean McVay and how he likes to call in certain situations, you know, now you're going up against, one, that sophomore slump, if you will, and also people actually have some tape and they can actually game plan. The greatest thing I think that happened for Green Bay, they had almost two weeks to prepare, you know, coming off a of bye. So we have to look at that, that they, this team had two weeks and man, I didn't know it was 10 years before we beat them, but you know, they're thinking, man, we got two weeks. We're going to go beat this little youngster and the rest of these guys. And we're going to be back on top and work on it. Because if you look at the standings, if they lose this game, and then unfortunately, if they were to lose next week, well, now they have two losses you know what i mean and now they kind of come back you know they still be 7 and 2 but now uh packers would be getting close to being up a game saints would be up a game if they were to win next week so this was a big game so now losing next week you know we're still going to be sitting good you know going down the stretch if you will but i just think yeah we we always want more but yeah i totally agree Derek you know Two years ago, it wasn't looking this this nice. <laughs>
3: okay, so getting there, guys. Final questions, and we'll get us out of here real quick. Mike, who's your who's your player of the game?
4: Uh, my player of the game, I kind of threw it around because it was a lot of different guys and segments, but I, I threw player of the game up this this week really as a team effort because. We saw it in so many areas, though you could single out some guys. I'm gonna throw this one up for the team.
1: And for me, I mean, I think it's you know, it's kind of a cop out answer, but it's got to be the answer. I go, I go Todd Gurley. I mean, really, just a couple yards shy of 200 total yards, 114 on the ground, 81 through the air, uh, an incredible pat uh, catch. Um, that kind of helped on that drive to turn the game around. That was one of two receptions on that drive actually that got overturned uh, if we want to go down that officiating route. But also just the wherewithal at the end of the game to just know he shouldn't be running that ball into the end zone to kind of hit the ground there and let us take a knee out of the game. Man, I mean, this guy has just been incredible all season. He's going to continue to be incredible all season. But he'll get more touchdowns as they come. He's always a threat to get the ball in the red zone and kind of pop it in there. And I, the, I think Gurley's my player of the game. And I also, you know, a couple honorable mentions will be Aaron Donald, who's great. Corey Littleton led the team in tackles, had a sack, and Josh Reynolds with those two touchdowns. Those were two big plays. All
3: right, for me, I'm gonna. For me, I'm going <laughs> I'm gonna throw you for a little bit of a loop. I'm gonna go with Sam Shields and Johnny Hecker. Um, Johnny Hecker had a little bit of rough. First punt there or so, but then when they got down when they when they need to to pin Green Bay back they did it again 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 that safety changes the game and Sam shows being the veteran that he is being on the one yard line inside the one yard line just walking that across you know walking along that that end zone line that who knows what happens with the Rams the rest of this game if they don't get that safety and, and kind of change how this momentum went and so that's why I'm going to go, that those are my players of the game, is just because of that. And I this, I'm, I say this last question because it's a little personal for us and the staff, and I think, Michael, it's even more personal for you. Because uh, today, the stadium was filled about, from estimates that I've been getting from friends who were there, there's about 60-40 Packers fans. And uh, you played in L.A., you live in L.A., and uh, L.A. is getting some, some serious pushback today, some serious uh, criticism about this. How do you feel about you know the Packers coming in and taking over the majority of the stadium? And do you think L.A. fans do deserve some criticism, or is it overblown?
4: No, I, I think uh, I was telling uh, my boys today, we were watching the game, and – Uh, We were looking at that, and I'm like, man, this is kind of crazy. But I reminded them when I was playing, Green Bay always had a great following there. The Niners always, you know, and sometimes we'd come out and go, are we at home? Are we away? Uh, The Saints would have a great following. You know, sometimes when the Giants would come in, you know, you go, wait a minute. So when I heard the uh, boos going, I'm like, boo? I go, oh, man, that many Packer fans are there? And, yeah, I I think it's a combination of it's just I call it the same old L.A., which doesn't bode well for when the new stadium gets here. Because if you're L.A. fans and you're at the beach or you're doing other stuff on weekends, you know, I don't know how that changes even if you put a championship team, which obviously this team is.
1: And I think it's important to note, too, you know, the rams fan base in la they got their team back they're excited but there's la has a lot of transplants in the city you know it's a huge city any any big city like that new york's the same way you're going to have fans from all over the place and you know there's probably cheeseheads out there in la that have lived there for a long time and maybe haven't been able to get back to green bay to see the packers play and maybe haven't seen them you know in person in a long time and when the when teams come back Those are other fan bases that are going to be excited to come watch their team play when they come to town. So, I mean, I think it's a little bit of a problem. It it just kind of sucks to not be able to have home games all the time, uh, especially when you're home. And I think the, the fan base will continue to grow. You know, we have I think there's a lot of diehard Rams fans out there in L.A. We know there is. We've talked to plenty of them. But that fan base is still growing. You know, it's only year three. There's a lot of people there that maybe weren't swayed by you know, the Rams coming. There's probably a lot of you know, Fairweather fans out there that still are getting invested and not fully in yet. So, I mean, it's, it sucks, but I, I don't think that we can throw a ton of criticism to the Rams fans there yet because I, I, think, I think the numbers are still growing in terms of you know, how many fans the team has out there. I
3: kind of look at it both ways. I look at it and go, well... Couple of things. When when Ram when the Rams left, the Rams fans that stuck behind got used to watching games. You know, places like Maggie's Pub or other you know as a as booster clubs in in the bar, the sports bars, and now they're all of a sudden expected to change how they do business. Uh, second point that comes to mind is the Coliseum is old, decrepit, and it's not fun to tailgate at. It's horrible. to tailgate. I've been there. It's not, it's not the kind of place you want to tailgate at. It's cramped, and the the stadium is just not an NFL stadium. But I'll tell you what bothers me the most, and this is the flip side of it. It's the Rams fans who already own tickets to the game and sold them to Packer fans. That bothers me. I would have given my left leg <laughs> to be there today, my left arm to be there. And when the Rams play in Detroit here, in a month, I'm going. I'm going to be there. you know. And and when the Rams come to Cleveland and Pittsburgh next year, I'm going. That's I'm stuck on the other side of the country. It's important. I mean, if I was in L.A., I'd, I would be doing whatever it could to be a season ticket holder. It means a lot to me. I understand that some people feel differently. But if you already own tickets to the game and you know how the Packers travel, why would you sell your tickets? I know you want the money. I know you want the bank. I know the economy is tough out there in some places. But man that just that, that bothers me some
4: it does well one of the things for uh truthfully Derek the parking down there has gotten worse over the last couple years as they're building new structures uh on the parking lot you know SE's expanding different things so i do know for a fact the parking over the last 2 years have has gotten real horrendous and it's just brutal so I'm going to say hopefully that's more of it because uh, I know it's, it's just the Dickens trying to get parking and just get to the game where people just like, man, I, I don't want to deal with two or three hours trying to get there parking and, you know, walking four miles or whatever uh, to get there. So I do know with the advantage of the new stadium, the parking isn't going to be an issue. They're also having uh, better transit to get in and out of there so that hopefully will be the difference but i agree with you Derek. you know at the same time if you're a fan be a fan and if you're not just let us know so we know who to count on and who not to count on
3: all right guys so before we go and it's, it's been a long way it went longer uh because there are a lot of things to talk about but we do want to throw some quick shout outs to those who have Gone, gone on to iTunes and been really good about getting us some reviews of late. Just want to note them out. Uh, John Stallcup says helps step date on all Rams news and, and games. It's five stars. Corbett's one it says horns up. Love talking to X Rams. He likes the interviews with, with guys like you, Mike. Um, Emily Hill, who I come to find out happens to be one of my students, <laughs> found, found my uh, found my show. Emily, thank you so much. Give us a five star review. Rams fan condo. This is a nice one. As a long time as a long lifelong Rams fan, I am looking for, for a uh, Can't talk now, guys. I have been looking for a podcast to learn about the team. Many have tried and honestly, the majority have been brutal attempts. This one, on the other hand is, is great informative, of knowledgeable multiple episodes a week. Love listening and an easy five stars for me. Oh, all right. And from me, 521892, great podcast for Rams fans, also five stars. So we are literally five away from getting our full 100 five-star reviews. Uh, we have a total of 100 now, um, but uh, if we have 95 five-stars. So we really appreciate if, if folks, you go on there. And, yeah, I'm Renew them off now because I think you deserve credit, and we want to acknowledge those who support us and so on and so forth. Okay, trivia question. Nobody has sent me a right answer yet. How can this be? How many turnovers did the Rams force against Brett Favre and the Packers in the January 2002 NFC Divisional Game? Send me your answers to Ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. And uh, come on, someone get a free book out of us. Jeez, get a copy of all of this team. And uh, here we go. Uh, last thoughts here. Mike, one, where can people find you on Twitter? And also, any last thoughts on the game?
4: Uh, You can find me on Twitter at 1duke23. And my last thoughts of the game is, uh, again, they put another win in the win column. Excited for that. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, You know, I don't think we had any major injuries out of this game. So as we get down here, going down the stretch, you know, guys will remain to get more and more healthy. And uh, we'll start to see not so many close calls. uh, But at the same time, it's a lot better to dissect it after a win than a loss.
3: Hallelujah for that one. I'll take that one. Amen. Uh, and I mean that, by the way. I mean that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that.
1: <laughs> um, Steve, last thoughts. Eight wins, man. Jeff Fisher couldn't do it here. Uh, it's nice nice to get that eighth win. And hopefully we see a Vikings victory tonight. That kind of will give us a nice little cushion in the next couple of weeks with the Saints coming up uh, in that first place, right? It's, I mean, man, how can we complain? We just won eight straight games, you know, undefeated still. It's going to be a tough couple of weeks here. You know, we probably have the biggest game of the season coming up next week, and uh, it, I'm, I'm looking forward to breaking it down. And just a shout-out to our good friend Magic Johnny, who will be back on Butting Heads this week. Okay.
3: So, folks, the schedule – This week, as it is right now, things can always change. But tomorrow night, I'm going to have Jim Everett on the show. He's going to break down the first part of the season with us um, as a special Monday episode. On Tuesday, we'll be off. Uh, Steve, butting heads for Wednesday?
1: Yes, butting heads will be up by Wednesday.
3: Rampage rate will be on Thursday, and we'll have our preview on Friday. So there you go. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talk Rams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul You can find Steve Ribeiro on Twitter somewhere. No going to find you.
1: <laughs> at Steve Ribeiro. There you go. Uh, I'm sure you could find me on the Rams Talk page if you don't want to figure out how to spell my name.
3: <laughs> don't forget it's on iTunes, Stitcher, all those places as well. For Mike and Steve, guys, it's it was what an emotional night. Rams win 29-27. This is Derek C. Paula. Take it easy. It's time for us to go home.
5: The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in a make. The NBA,
1: only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV.
5: From earaches to strep tests, there's MinuteClinic at CVS. See a provider, fill a prescription, and grab essentials. Or see us online with telehealth options. That's healthier, made easier. Visit MinuteClinic at CVS today. Services vary by location. See MinuteClinic.com for details.